Low take of. Did you have fun? That's good. Let's go home and make supper. Welcome to the ND Outdoors Podcast. Welcome to episode 38 of the NDO Podcast. Uh, we have our hosts, myself, Caleb Bendel, and Casey Anderson. And on this episode, we have Greg Link, our Conservation and Communications Division Chief. Um, we're just going to kind of talk about like the history of conservation in North Dakota. Um, Greg's been around for a little bit, so um, just kind of how things have changed throughout his career, some kind of key milestones um, for habitat and wildlife conservation, and, and maybe kind of um, where it's where it's hopefully headed from here. But yeah, mm-hmm. thanks for being on. No problem. <laughs> give it, give us the history, Greg. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's kind of scary. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, over a lot of years, <laughs> been yeah. around here. So, so maybe give us just a little tidbit on on your history with the department, and yeah, and your role now. Okay. You know, all the seventeen different jobs you've covered. Yeah. <laughs> right, and, <no>. right, right. <laughs> well, you know, I was working. Um, started with the game and fish department when I was nineteen years old, um, working summers. Um, when I was, this was the field I wanted to get into, um, wildlife management. I kind of didn't even know what that was at the time. Um, just knew that I wanted to be working with the critters. I came up from a, um, you know, a farm background. Was always outside doing stuff um, with animals. I liked that end of the business, our business, and um, always always enjoyed um, the environment around me. Appreciated it. So that's kind of what I want to do. I always thought it was like, hey, that's a park ranger, isn't it? You know. <laughs> but as I, you know, started getting in college and got a better understanding of the different careers and. St- um, Wildlife management was it. So, um, we'll just throw in NDSU there. Yeah, that, college. Go Bison. Woo-hoo. <laughs> <laughs> um, exactly. That's um, got my de- uh, zoology degree at, at NDSU. But while I was there, um, I was able to get my foot in the door, um, working seasonal jobs with the game and fish department. So when I came out the other end, um, it was within a year or so, I was able to land uh, my first full-time position um, down in the southeast as a wildlife technician and shortly after that uh, the wildlife uh, supervisor well a district wildlife resource supervisor that managed I think initially like maybe seven counties and then they kind of uh, redid the districts and I think I had something like 13 southeast counties doing um, the management on our WMAs down there, the ones that we own and lease, uh, but then also um, kind of a, a segment of the of our private lands program, which was, you know, was very uh, rudimentary compared to what we're doing now, um, but did have, you know, a role in evaluating tracks and helping sign some of those up. And, uh, but also, you know, as most uh, folks in the department that are out in the field, Flying survey, deer surveys, um, you know, doing bird counts, uh, upland bird counts, uh, uh, crowing counts, pheasant crowing counts, those kind of things. So it was a, it was a great job, great job. Mm-hmm. Um, but in uh, 97, uh, came into Bismarck uh, to head up our private lands program. We had been given a, 
access uh, mandate from the legislature to start an access program. We just had a lot of great CRP acres out there on the landscape, and uh, populations were responding. Folks were wanting to get on the landscape. We were getting seeing more fee hunting and acres locked up, and so uh, that's kind of how um, the legislature wanted to um, to get folks out on uh, on those acres. So we started a, a program uh, known as Plots Now, mm-hmm. Private Lands Open to Sportsmen. But um, is it true that you came up with that? You know, there was a, there was a, it was a, it was a, a team approach to all of it. Um, but we, it's kind of funny. I wish I, I really wish I had the cheat sheet that we, we had taken. The diagram. I think I've well, seen that. Well, that's a different one. <laughs> but that's a different, that's for us. <laughs> but we had several meetings trying to come up with an approach to, um, to this access program. How are we going to do it? Where are we going to do it? Um, what are we going to pay landowners? You know, um, what are we going to pay them for? Um, but also, how do we mark these? How do we map these? How do we uh, let the public know about them? Um, but also, yeah, what do we call it? There have been a few programs out there. Uh, Montana had their block management program. But um, a few of them were playing with the idea as well. Uh, but we had a session, I remember, sitting around and going, okay, for the next hour, let's go th- let's throw out some acronyms or some names or something, what we might call it. And it um, it got pretty funny. Um, some mm-hmm. of these, of course, wouldn't be appropriate <laughs> <laughs> talking about uh-huh. talking about on air. But um, but we didn't come up with anything. It just we couldn't land on anything. And I don't know. Just uh, it was getting closer to the time we needed to have this. You know, signs and and the program. Uh, you know, delineated acres delineated. It was already the summer. I remember it was right before our staff meeting, actually. Mm-hmm. And uh, I woke up one morning and. I don't know. It was just in my head. I mean, we had always <laughs> talked about things. We had a, a habitat plot program, and but it was like plots. And it's like, well, private land open to sportsmen. And I came in and talked to Randy Kryle, who was our chief of wildlife at the time. And he says, that's it, dude. And so uh, <laughs> we had talked about a sign and stuff like that, you know. Um, but thinking about the three kind of legs of the stool, the landowners, you know, the wildlife and um, – and us working together, um, sportsmen working together to put habitat on the landscape mm-hmm. and to utilize that landscape. And so um, that three, three-cornered three sign that's now become pretty mm-hmm. pretty much the billboard for our program out there on the landscape. Anybody who uses the program knows it and can see it from a long ways away uh, with mm-hmm. the signs. So, yeah. but I think we have the catchiest access program name. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Yeah, well, we deal with a lot of acronyms. <laughs> we're pretty good at it when you get in the farm bill. I was even the other day in our meeting at there's acronyms going around. I'm like, whoa, I'm out of the acronym loop. <laughs> I haven't been dealing with the farm bill near as yeah, much. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you need a cheat sheet for all mm-hmm. the all the the program or the acronyms. By the, by the way, Kayla, you call me old sometimes. I, I'm not even in the game and fish picture yet at the point he's at right I now. I know, I know. <laughs> Well, it's interesting. Well, at I'm that. at least in the world yeah. at that point. <laughs> yeah, right. The meeting we had just the other day, and we were all saying, you know, I was assistant chief, you were mm-hmm. assistant chief, yeah. Jeb was assistant chief, <laughs> Bill's assistant yeah. chief. Now I was just like, wow, uh, that's pretty it's been cool. been some movement. Yeah. <laughs> in the so, yeah, that was actually my next position after um, a private lands coordinator. I was assistant chief of wildlife, worked with Randy Kyle, who was the chief at the time. Good 
good group of people to work with. A lot of different things going on, obviously, in the wildlife division. So, it, I mean, from um, private lands program to our WMA management, which I had had a, you know, uh, had a role in and knew about. Um, but then also all the game management stuff. It was just a, all the way from species health at the beginning of our CWD um, plan, you know, first contingency plan, those kind of things. But, you know, all the way to... To uh, recruit more, you know, sports sportsmen, all that mm-hmm. stuff was all part of, all, all in play, and so it was pretty cool working with a lot of great staff, great team. So, uh, but after a few years, I was able to uh, jump over to the uh, uh, what we call our conservation communication division. Oil and gas was ramping up and uh, having a big impact in North Dakota, and I felt uh, maybe I could take some of my experience and knowledge and jump over there and do mm-hmm. some good. Uh, but then I. Had uh, communications and education as part of that. I was going, wow, I don't know anything about it. But I got <laughs> great people that But go, I can talk. So yeah. You've got it. You, you know, uh, get out of the way. Let them do their business. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, so anyway. I guess just to, to break it down, that division has three sections, conservation, communications, and then education. So, yeah, chief of all three. Um, chief of three. Mm-hmm. I like that. Yeah. Yeah, it's a little <laughs> bit of a mishmash, but it, mm-hmm. it works, so. Yeah, so what's kind of the, like, bread and butter of the conservation section, like, today? So the conservation section is um, really deals with um, some ma- a couple of major things. I mean, one of them is, is really managing our non-game species, and so those are the species that we don't hunt. And that really then gets to um, what we talk about our state wildlife action plan, which we are currently um, in the process of updating. But those are those at-risk species, those rare and declining species in North Dakota that um, we don't even know a lot about all the way from, and, and Game and Fish has a responsibility, as most folks know, you know, the big the big critters and the fish that everybody hunts but and, and angles, but also uh, we have a responsibility for everything down to, to insects and amphibians, reptiles, all those things. And so as a hook and bullet agency for many, many years, that really is a challenge to try to take care of mm-hmm. all those other species, know about those species. And so um, in 2000, let's see, five was the first year that we were required to uh, do a state wildlife action plan in order to obtain state wildlife grant dollars from the Fish and Wildlife Service for managing mm-hmm. those species. Um, that first plan had 100 species in it. Um, our second rewrite was in 2015. That had 115 species. And now we're in the process of working on our, our, our 2025 um, update. We do believe we'll be looking at a lot more maybe aquatic species, um, obviously insects, pollinators. We've realized you know those things are, are kind of in... A situation that's not really good and they're really important to all of us you know mm-hmm. um, folks by providing food and uh, helping our crops things like that so but uh, so it's a big job so that's one big job that um, you know our conservation we got a couple of biologists that work specifically on our state wildlife action plan kind of implementing that um, working with universities working with our other partners both on uh, surveys and uh, research as well as on the ground habitat work too, but we also have a couple other biologists that kind of help on that a little bit half time probably I say so. And all in all, we probably have you know three biologists that are working mm-hmm. on that. 
it, the other uh, other roles of the conservation section is um, avoiding and minimizing and really trying to offset impacts on landscape by development projects. I mean, we're a, mm -hmm. a, as a society, we do a lot of things that are you know progress, right. and but those have impacts to wildlife, and so um, that section um, really takes a look at everything from energy. Uh, roads, water projects, utility projects, all those things that are making little nicks out on the landscape, mm -hmm. trying to minimize um, and reduce those impacts for wildlife. So sometimes yeah. it's talking about the timing. Sometimes it's talking about scope and scale or um, where to put certain infrastructure, maybe mm -hmm. where not to, those kind of things. Um, reclamation, you know, seed mixes, trying to put things back a little bit better. Um, mm -hmm. Just even how you put a a culvert under a, you know, under a highway that helps um, some critters yeah. get through it. Aquatic inverts that we that, might be looking yeah. at or whatever, yeah. Wildlife crossings, mm -hmm. all those kind of things. So uh, that's a big job. Um, got a lot of things going on mm -hmm. there. So Yeah, that's really about just trying to, trying to make sure that we can do all these things and keep wildlife perpetuating for generations yeah. to come. I mean, it's well, not it necessarily... Is. I mean, we always talk about that balance, balance, yeah. balance, about keeping mm -hmm. us rocking as a society, but also making sure that our, our wildlife resources are doing okay too. Mm -hmm. so. so maybe, Greg, before we get dive into the SWAP State Wildlife Action Plan a little bit more, like in, in your history that you've been with the department, like those big hitting ticket items that have made a difference over time to wildlife. I mean, we could argue one way or the other if they helped a different section or right. subsection of society or whatever that might be. But as far as wildlife goes, those big hitter things that kind of made a difference in North Dakota as time went on. Right, right. And it's, I mean, we've gone from, you know, ebbs and flows, whether it's weather, um, obviously, um, folks that are from North Dakota, North there is no North Dakota normal. Right. Um, <laughs> but also even on the landscape, there's been... A lot of different things that have come and come and gone um, that have had a big uh, impact to wildlife. Sometimes positive, sometimes negative. But um, coming up as a kid out of the '60s, you know, you know, there were things that were going on that I didn't even I didn't even understand. But I <laughs> yeah. always heard people talking about soil bank. Oh yeah, that was that soil bank over there, and it's like mm -hmm. soil bank. I just saw grass sitting there. Yeah. Uh, but that was a USDA program, you know, in mm -hmm. the late 50s and 60s that really uh, was a boon for pheasants. Um, mm -hmm. But by the time, you know, uh, I was about five years old, uh, they always talk about the uh, blizzard of 66. Mm -hmm. And it was. I, I remember crawling up on uh, um, some snowbanks with my aunt and, you know, these evergreen <laughs> trees, we were looking at the tops of them standing up on the snowbank and, and – uh, but that one had a major impact on uh, those soil bank acres. Had uh, that program had come to an end in the early '60s, mm -hmm. and that '66 blizzard was the smackdown for the, our pheasants at that time, mm -hmm. and and really set. I mean, things that we've learned now over you know over many decades, seeing those some of those same cycles, but we didn't have that cover anymore to rebound after that blizzard, mm -hmm. and actually it led to. Subsequently, um, the legislature kind of told the Game and Fish Department, had a directive to the Game and Fish Department to start a pheasant propagation program. Oh, yeah. We had a facility mm -hmm. north of Jamestown where we raised pheasants and distributed them out on the landscape trying mm -hmm. to bolster that population. But without habitat, it just yeah. kind of limped along, mm -hmm. you know. And that's kind of the – was kind of the um, – 
scenario during the 70s. I mean, I grew up in uh, southwest North Dakota, you know, <laughs> uh, just north of Mott. And, you know, Mott's the spot where, uh, you know, great pheasant uh, mm-hmm. uh, population. The history has been there, yeah, yeah. for pheasants. Uh, but that was not necessarily uh, <laughs> the pheasant capital of North Dakota at the time. So, I mean, again, without the, you know, during the 70s, we had a, had a USDA um, secretary, Earl Butts, and his famous quotes were, you know, we're, um, we want to farm fence row to fence row. He was just really mm-hmm. pushing that. Let's expand. Let's really produce. And we did. And so um, there just was, you know, when we talk in terms of today, um, there was still um, habitat out there, different habitat. Mm-hmm. Um, we had a lot of, you know, grassy waterways and hilltops, things like that. You know, farming was different. Mm-hmm. We had and summer fallow and, you know. St- a lot more people had livestock and farmed at the same time. Right, right. right. And, uh, you know, these um, abandoned farmsteads. I mean, as a kid, that's what I did. I popped mm-hmm. around to those kind of places, little little strips here and there, and you'd pick off a pheasant, a few grouse, and uh, obviously uh, but we had partridge around. It was really mm-hmm. great to have. But. So, set the, you know, the 70s weren't necessarily um, a bright spot for the wildlife resource, and there were some other things going on as far as wetlands in the state and garrison diversion that really created some animosity between wildlife groups and agriculture and just a, a, lot, a lot of turmoil, um, some growing pains, things like that. But what coming into the 80s, like, you know, coming out of college in 84 and jumping into this field, Guess what? Uh, the 1985 Farm yeah. Bill brought CRP. It was mm-hmm. Conservation Reserve Program, authorized it at 45 million acres. And, you know, I, it was people were talking about it. I didn't know anything about it. It was just mm-hmm. like, what's this going to do? But uh, within a couple of years, we were seeing it wasn't grass on the landscape mm-hmm. at first because it was during uh, the drought years of uh, that kind of started in 87. Some of those first grass plantings were really kosher plantings. But yeah. when you talk about pheasant, uh, yeah. about the pheasant mix, mm-hmm. I mean, oh, my gosh. It was, uh, they responded just, like, instantly. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the CRP program, every sign-up um, changed a little bit. Pretty soon it was taking wetland acres in and fields that had a lot of wetlands. So it really had a nice mix of, of great stuff, um, and wildlife responded. I mean, it was really meant to to try to reduce uh, crop sur- commodity surpluses Surplus. at the time. Yeah, the early 80s, you know, farms were faltering, a lot of um, foreclosures, things like that. It was really struggling, so it was to kind of help provide some security for, for landowners, uh, producers. And But, I, I mean, I think maybe some of the older biologists knew that it was going to mm-hmm. have. Obviously, you put put that grass on the landscape, yeah. it's going to um, things are going to respond. But I don't think we had any idea what it was going to do. And plus we thought it was probably only going to be a 10 year program, mm-hmm. you know? So in the next farm bill, uh, we probably had the greenest farm bill. We did. We've had a lot of new conservation programs, um, WIP, equip, mm-hmm. you know, the things we talk about, GRP, Grassland Reserve Program. Yeah, those acronyms. Yeah, yeah. you've thrown you out a lot already. Those, well, are, those are old ones. <laughs> yeah. I know those. <laughs> CSB, you know, some yeah. of those came out. And um, so we had it pretty good. But uh, North Dakota, I think, was the second or third uh, as far as CRP acres. Mm-hmm. We were kicking, kicking butt. And yeah. uh, so waterfall response. Well, 
you know, again, we were in those drought years initially um, from 88 to like maybe 93. But the, uh, that summer of 93, we had like 8 to 10 inches across the state. And wow, things, it was just like you put the perfect formula together. Mm-hmm. Um, everything was responding. Our, our waterfall, of course, it, fish and everything. Yeah, everything we... Everything we hunted for surely responded. Yeah, you know, and then any other thing that could even water benefit qu- even off water of quality. general I mean, grass. Had, yeah, yeah um, absolutely. Mm-hmm. So yeah, um, things were good. You know, we came up into uh, the '90s uh, or into the 2000s, and then combined that with some really open winters. Of course, we mm-hmm. had that. 96, 96 97 but worst winter probably we've had yeah um, but that's interesting when you talked about the winter 66 mm-hmm. and things couldn't come back if you look at the pheasant harvest after 96 97 it like goes straight up almost yep. over over like a five-year period yep to you know and that's just habitat on the ground ability to rebound yep exactly because i mean coming through that we went man uh it's gonna be a while before we get deer back it's going to be a long time before we get pheasants back. Mm-hmm. Um, but, my gosh, it was just a year or two, and we were right back yeah. at tracking. And Ten years from that, well, not even, nine years from that point, we were giving out a record number of deer licenses. Right, exactly. After Almost 150,000. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <there. laughs> yeah. And so those were, I mean, as far as my career, um, I've had some, you know, tracked with some great programs. And uh, you put those years of, like, 2098 to 2008, mm-hmm. beautiful winters, open winters, not much snow. Um, I remember crossing the bridge. It was like this winter I was crossing the bridge. It was in the early 2000s mm-hmm. sometime, maybe three or something like that. We were coming back from Christmas uh, west, and I came over the, the Missouri, and there was fishermen down below, and I said, yeah. I'm never going to see that again, but we <laughs> did this year. But those open winters with CRP mm-hmm. and everything, um, those 10 years, um, you know, we had it all. We yeah. had, uh, we need help from mother nature, but we got to have the table set. Yeah. <laughs> and we, yeah, it did. Mm-hmm. So it really worked out good. I think one of those years, so it probably would have been 2002, like January and February of 2002. I was a seasonal and, uh, we were W we were, GPS and the WMAs. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And we were doing it in T-shirts in January <laughs> and February. It was it like was, 65 was, degrees, was, yeah. 70 degrees. It was wow. crazy. I mean, yeah. one maybe of those a little years, too extreme. Link was chasing prairie chickens, too. <laughs> yeah, just up for prairie debate, chickens which one? were up. We yeah. had a prairie chicken. I mean, that whole prairie. time frame was just a, I mean, you know, whether whether CRP affected you in a different way there's no way to argue that it didn't help wildlife yeah well even it was mm-hmm. i mean the prairie chickens responded to yeah. um some additional grass cover around the you know the both kelly slough area mm-hmm. up north in the northeast but then also in the cheyenne grasslands u.s forest service mm-hmm. grasslands down in the southeast and uh yeah mm-hmm. uh, those those acres just really helped a lot of things out so so I mean, recently, like in those days, a lot of the funding was funneled through the farm bill. Um, more recently, last maybe five to ten years, we've there's a lot of funding sources out there available. Um, and, you know, you mentioned SWAPA as one of them, State Wildlife Action Plan and State Wildlife Action Grants. Um, but one thing that this plan, the State Wildlife Action Plan does, is it, it allows a direction to go get those competitive grants and uh, and like not just us like 
other groups, wildlife clubs, whatever, when they're looking for a grant, like all the information's in there. You don't have to write a lot right. of it up. And I right. mean, that's really like, I always thought, you know, when we first started the state wildlife action plan, it's like, we're doing all this work for 500, $400,000, right. whatever it is. But like, it's really blown up in an opportunity. I mean, you hear it at the OHF board thing where somebody will bring it up in their grant, you know? Yep. Um, so yeah, maybe maybe go. Let's go into this round of the state wildlife action plan and kind of how that process works when we when we update the plan. Right. So again, uh, the state wildlife action plan is those the species of what we call conservation priority or greatest conservation need. We call them some states. Uh, that's probably what we're going to call them in the in this plan. But um, it's really kind of looking at their needs and what we can do with that, do about it. But we always talk about here in North Dakota, small staff, we can't do species by species management. We can't manage for a, a certain insect or we can't management manage for a certain mm-hmm. amphibian out there or whatever. What we're going to do is, like Casey said earlier, is set the table. So it's really talking, it's talking habitats um, and trying to take care of those habitats and really, you know, through the years, what we talked about, all the stuff we just talked about here in the last few minutes, that habitat, we were doing thing, we were doing things that probably in the name of, you know, more of our game species, mm-hmm. but those non-game um, species were obviously benefiting from that as well. But there's some of those specialists, we always talk about generalists and specialists when we talk about wildlife. Um, the generalists can kind of get by with, uh, they don't have a really tight, you know, uh, life uh, requirements, they're kind of, eh, can, can kind of utilize a lot of different things. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, uh, the bandwidth on some of those specialist species is pretty narrow. Um, they show up at certain times and ha- need certain requirements, whether it's, uh, you know, certain floral species or just a certain structure. Um, and so trying to be more cognizant as we put habitat on landscape or manage habitat, you know, we just have to try to boost that biodiversity. Just, you know, I always talk about this as far as try to try to have as wide of an array of our uh, a buffet as possible mm-hmm. so that whoever shows up at the, at the buffet kind of ha- finds what they need. And that's really what it is. Um, that's what the State Wildlife mm-hmm. Action Plan is really all about. But really trying to find ways together to take care of these species. And again, as a small agency, we always talk about that we're the you know, third smallest wildlife agency in, in the nation. In order to get that done, it's partnerships, partnerships, partnerships. Mm-hmm. And coming from a state that's 94% um, private land, guess who our main, 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 main partner right. is? It's the uh, private landowners out there. We always have to find ways to go. If we're going to do anything mm-hmm. that's going to benefit wildlife is we're going to have to you know, find a programs and practices that mm-hmm. mesh with what, what they're trying to do out there in the landscape yeah. and be talking to each other and working together. To, again, just um, usually what's good for um, those habitats as far as biodiversity and creating more sustainable habitats, you know, better root systems, better mm-hmm. soil, that's all good for really um, – producers and even for our general public who really gets those ecosystem services from those habitats Mm -hmm. and ecosystems so it's really good for all it's just a lot of it's awareness awareness too Mm -hmm. um you know a lot of those species we don't know a lot about um 
you know, we've been managing ducks and deer and upland birds, <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm. Before, the, yeah. before us, <laughs> before we'll us, there. yeah. I mean, uh, through from the '30s is is really when you know mm-hmm. that wildlife management really took off. But you know, there's still things we're trying to learn about even those species. Mm-hmm. But you know, when you start talking about some of these insects and yeah, um, rusty patch like bumblebee. That. Yeah, exactly. I didn't know there was more than just a bumblebee <laughs> <laughs> until I heard that, and then there's like. Fifty species or something in North Dakota. Yeah, Kayla's the one we'll be talking about this. Right. She's got more background on this than yeah, any of the, us. The so. young, the young ones know <laughs> about the bees, birds, and the bees better. Is that what it, is? <laughs> it is pretty cool. You can identify bumblebees, anyways, from mm-hmm. just like their color patterns. For the most yeah. part, there's a few where you maybe would need to double Put them check under a microscope. Yeah, yeah, but. Um, all I know is can. when they sting, they feel the same. Yeah. Bumblebees, <laughs> though, are less likely to yeah, sting, I think. Yeah. yeah. And all my bee catching, I didn't get, I got stung once. Yeah. So, I mean, again, I think there's folks out there go, you know, my game and fish department, why are they worried about these, you know, insects? And that, that's a bummer. Mm-hmm. You know, they're right. less time putting into these other, you know, the critters I want to hunt mm-hmm. and, you know, angle, whatever. But that's not the case. It really all comes together because, again, uh, we approach it from really a, a landscape habitat and mm-hmm. whatever we do for game species is helping non-game and whatever we do for non-game is helping game. And then we just, you know, through the the last 20 years, but especially probably the last 10 years, um, like our private lands program mm-hmm. used to basically just be looking out for, you know, how do we get access for pheasants or things right. like that. Um, now when we try to do seedings or work with, uh, you know, grazing is mm-hmm. like, how do we be more regenerative and how do we, uh, boost that diversity, throw a few different things in the mix that aren't going to, mm-hmm. uh, you know, pheasants right. and deer are going to like it too, mm-hmm. but, it, you know, some other things showing up are going to go, hey, you got something there for me too. Love it, love it. Um, mm-hmm. So that's a cool thing. So. Yeah, because there, there isn't a blade of gr- a new blade of grass that we can't plant that won't help exactly. most game species. But exactly. so, it, you know, that blade of grass, that type of grass might not matter for pheasants. But we can be more deliberate and make it matter for other things, yeah. you know. And yeah, did you? You were talking about early on. A lot of those CRP were just like grass that established quickly and and thick. Yeah. Uh, well, again, we thought it was probably going to be a ten year program. Right. Uh, we wanted something that came on strong, fast. Um, you know, uh, landowners didn't have to kind of contend with three to five years trying to get a native grass mm-hmm. establishment so we really did go with that what we call dnc it's dense nesting <laughs> cover it's you know the yeah. acronym yeah it's we'll send a glossary out with this yeah. episode <laughs> acronym glossary <laughs> hunters out there um <laughs> you know when you see it you know it but yeah. Um, yeah. that's what we call it but it's you know alfalfa clover um intermediate wheatgrass and so yeah the, those uh, legumes came on fast and then mm-hmm. by you know the fourth, fifth year, those grasses were coming on. So for a 10-year program, yeah. um, we figured, hey, that's the way to go, cheaper. Um, they were cheaper built to, to be most effective for 10 years. Yeah. And after that, yeah, things started exactly. to change, you know. Without so after the program got reauthorized and reauthorized, and we, pretty soon you're looking at 25 years, some of mm-hmm. these stands were out there and going, they're kind of, you know, yeah, turn into a, you know. They were four species, they're one species now. <laughs> right. Something that's been sitting in the fridge too long. Yeah, right. <laughs> and yeah. not too crispy anymore. Mm-hmm. But not a fresh buffet. Right. No, and they, not too fresh. And even at that point, they were still benefiting some wildlife species oh, out there. 
However, they they could have been much more effective and benefiting a lot more stuff. Uh, yeah, lack. Of, I mean, the diversity had just gone mm-hmm. down, and that resilience had gone down. So, you know, it's just in hindsight you go, hey, maybe there's more we could have done, but we just didn't know um, mm-hmm. what we were dealing with at the time. But that's now looking at it, it's going, hey, when we put um, some of these mixes out there, um, even on our own WMAs, you mm-hmm. know, we're trying to be a little bit more cognizant of these other critters that are, have some needs too. So, mm-hmm. uh, and plus, um, you know, if a stand once established, that's got, you know, some natives in it probably has that, yeah. Resiliency through, through drought, through wet cycles, mm-hmm. it just holds up better with, uh, you know, mm-hmm. but even when we talk about grazing, for mm-hmm. example, you know, in our field, when it, early on, it was sometimes it wasn't always viewed as the best thing for wildlife. But through the years, we recognize that uh, whether it's native or even a tame mix, just having it sit there, mm-hmm. um, getting decadent, losing losing biodiversity, probably invasives coming in. It needs to be. It needs needs that needs management. management yeah. yeah, and so. Uh, our native grass species, our native grasses, prairies evolved with um, ungulates, and so uh, we want them out there um, doing their thing. And so, it's interesting. Again, I, you know, just my career, um, whether it's in the private lands business or even on our WMAs, um, very much trying to trying to utilize some of those natural tools to to boost those mm-hmm. um, those that habitat. Yeah, and you you had mentioned something about the you know the species that are in the state wildlife action plan, and like they're not they're not the traditional species a, a a game and fish department deals with in a lot of cases. But you know, not only can we can we try to learn enough about them so that we can increase or stabilize their populations, but I mean, there's things that cause a problem for everybody. If they disappear, right, and in our, you know, we don't we don't want that to happen either. We want us to be able to manage North Dakota and the landscapes the way we need to as a state of North Dakota, whether it's whether it's energy or agriculture or right. wa- or wildlife. And if we don't pay attention to some of these other species, somebody else tells us how we're going to do it. Right, right. I mean, we talk about that too a lot in our agency. I mean, we do have a lot of folks who are, um, you know, raised on the farm or a ranch here in North Dakota, or at least we're living in North Dakota, not all of us. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Two out of okay. three ain't bad. <laughs> yeah, well, City slicker, yeah. blue plater. Yeah. 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 It's four more years, we'll call it good. <laughs> she sticks around. So, yeah, North Dakota is pretty important to us. And, uh, you know, again, our private sector that's uh that's our those are those are people and so i mean we want to keep them sustainable obviously people on the land uh people that are uh managing our grass or our ranching public um if they if they aren't doing well um if they disappear grass is going to disappear you know the critters that need the grass are Mm -hmm. also going to you know, find the same, uh, go the same direction. So it's really about trying to keep everybody doing okay. And I always talk about that, even as urban folks in our cities. And um, you really need to, you know, kind of recognize that cattle and grass and they're really paying forward. You know, they're taking care of our water quality. They're taking care of our uh, carbon sequestration. Um, They're infiltrating our water. 
again, creating hunting lands out there, um, helping our wildlife do well. It just does a lot of things for our society, but even our, our communities, we want our communities to be diverse, right? Um, not everybody doing the same thing, making the same livelihood, uh, mm-hmm. or living the same way. So, um, we just see that as, is really something that, that collaborative approach, whether it's egg commerce, industry and conservation working together side by side mm-hmm. to go, hey, we got a better North Dakota because of it. And so everything can do a little bit better and really, yeah. Uh, yeah. No different than your stock portfolio. Diversity is <laughs> resiliency. Exactly. Exactly. So the, the process of the State Wildlife Action Plan revamp, what are, I mean, just kind of give us the rundown of the boxes of how that works. Sure, sure. So, you know, we put out a survey here uh, last year, um, two more of our partners and stakeholders and just saying, hey, you know, you've seen our plan, our past plans, you've used our past, past plans. What do you like? What don't you like? What do you use? What don't you use? How can this be an asset to you? How can we do better? So kind of got some initial input. Um, now, uh, just in the last month or so, um, we really kicked off these face-to-face meetings um, with, our again, our stakeholders and our partner agencies. Really, if they want to, we want to be there to really sit down and just walk kind of through what the plan's about, um, what we kind of think maybe we need to do different, how we can make it better, what they see is valuable, bring in some ideas, and then we'll start. Um, we've been working the last several years with our neighboring states and region about some of their species of conservation priority or a species of conservation need. And so we've really been coming up with these regional species of conservation needs. So obviously if there's a critter that Minnesota, <clears throat> South Dakota, and Montana is saying is, mm-hmm. is in decline and is here in North Dakota, we probably need to recognize that too. So it's really, we're doing a better job than in past plans um, mm-hmm. as far as talking to neighboring states and really being, Critters don't recognize borders, um, mm-hmm. so in in this situation, we you know we have to look beyond our borders too and really think about it as as on a, a bigger landscape. So, factoring all those things in, but we're coming up with a species list um, spring through the summer, and then we'll be throwing that out to our species working with species experts again. Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't even have an entomologist on staff. <laughs> yeah. Um, so obviously our experts are outside this building. Um, so we go to universities and other places and talk to those folks and go and tell us what you know. Tell us what we're um, is this one mm-hmm. where you know should this be in the plan or is it doing well enough where it doesn't need. So uh, we'll be doing that kind of during. Uh, like I said, the spring, uh, we'll be writing the plan. Once we get the plan, you know, we'll be probably having a uh, kind of a big summit. We'll bring a lot of partners and stakeholders in and really kind of together grab some stuff, um, some ideas about threats, um, you know, our, pl- our past plans. Always address what are those threats on the landscape uh, for these different species, and then what are the <clears throat> conservation measures that would somehow tackle those threats or address mm-hmm. those threats, and um, and kind of how we can do that together, what are some efforts that we can do together, things like that. So um, we'll get that done, and then we'll pretty much start embodying that plan. Um, but there's other things like, you know, in the past it's been a, a paper product. Um, mm-hmm. This time it's really will be more of a, 
electronic product that you could probably go in and query and get information that you're looking for. Uh, we really have to find that blend with something that uh, folks that are really diving into the details are looking for mm-hmm. um, that other folks would go more than I need, right? We yeah. don't want a, a thousand page document, but yet, um, so we want something that isn't intimidating, that's useful to, to whoever, but also for uh, folks that are really looking for some information and details, it's there too. So trying to find that balance. Um, but then, um, you know, again, we talked about as an agency, we can't do it all. Uh, we just don't. We really depend on partners and other entities and, and, and producers and everybody to kind of work together to kind of do this. And so we really want to use um, mapping tools, uh, those kind of resources, so people can find out their geography, where they're working, where they're, you know, where they're uh, doing their work and how that overlaps and where they can bring some of their resources mm-hmm. and best put them into, uh, into play to kind of to help us all out. So want to figure out how we best do that. So, yeah, it's just some of its format. And obviously, it is a living document that the day we're done writing it, we're already, uh, you know, <laughs> Making putting notes. it to work, but we're already yeah. uh, starting thinking about how we, we can do the next one better. You well, know? at least so. if it's electronic form and you need to add something, yeah. just add another appendix. True, and true. And just be living, yep. moving forward. Yep. So we know we'll probably, you know, we'll probably be able to bring take some species off the list. You know, there's things like, uh, you know, bald eagles, for example. They're, mm-hmm. they're doing really well and... Um, but we also know we'll probably be expanding into some um, some aquatic species that haven't been in there, some other uh, invertebrates that haven't been in there. We'll be, you know, again, talking about climate changing and what's kind of going on there as far as how that might impact habitats. We don't have to get, you know, too carried away. We're talking 10 years. Mm-hmm. Um, so just really kind of, again, looking at all those different potential threats and opportunities um, mm-hmm. and how we can do business yeah. better for those critters. So, mm-hmm. but you know, part of it is, um, I, I, you know, I think we talked about this, but we do have a lot of folks that have aside from our own PLI program, that's really gotten into um, helping not just our game species, but our non game mm-hmm. species yeah. and these species of conservation priority I think you touched on it earlier. We see that um, on national, federal, state programs. That's just become um, a thing that everybody's looking at um, when you're writing a grant um, to get programs. A lot of those grantors are looking for ways to help these critters mm-hmm. um, to kind of really make our uh, our system whole, keep our system whole. So yep. that's a good thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so. so two keys to the future of conservation habitat yeah i didn't want to i didn't want to end this on too like depressing of a note but i just know in my short window here into north dakota i moved here in 2017 in the middle of a bad drought um had a couple rough drought years and then some bad winters and it's kind you get the sense that like things are kind of in a dire state obviously deer tags are really down um it can. It's a little bit scary, but I didn't want to end on too bad of a note. So just um, we also have a lot of strengths on our side now. Partnerships, like mm-hmm. you mentioned, being one of them. But um, yeah, two keys to mm-hmm. to moving forward and hopefully getting us back to a, a better place. 
Well, again, when you ask me a question, it leads yeah. into a lot of things. But just even touching on, you know, that deer scenario, it, 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 the 19, 1977 and 78, I was a junior in high school, and we had a bad, bad winter then, too, the mm-hmm. worst I had seen at that time. And, you know, I saw haystack coming home on a school bus. There was all these deer surrounding haystacks, and these haystacks looked like mushrooms, you know, mm-hmm. by the time the, the winter was, you know, into February. And, and the North Dakota Wildlife Federation and the sportsmen showed up and started a Save the Deer Fund. They mm-hmm. put out a campaign that was looking for donations to try to help uh, help these. You know, at that time, they were trying to feed these deer, try to get them through the winter, um, and try to reduce the impact to uh, producers. Um, and out of that effort came an initiate, initiated measure in 1978. Mm-hmm. That led to uh, a, a, a bill the following year um, that allowed the Game and Fish Department to use its in- interest off of its account for private land improvement and mm-hmm. depredation. So that was the beginning of our private lands program. And then mm-hmm. a couple years later, um, they also added on the habitat stamp, which also generated some more dollars or habitat, those habitat mm-hmm. plots we were talking about. So, again, there was a need there that our sportsmen and our public realized. Um, like I talked about, those late 70s weren't necessarily mm-hmm. um, really good times for, for crit- the best for the critter- critters and habitat. But out of that came some ideas and some solutions. And, you know, when we talk about, <clears throat> you know, the Farm Bill, some of those cons- big conservation programs that are, you know, been the horse uh, workhorse for us mm-hmm. the last 30 years, 40 years, um, they came out of a need, you know, and hopefully, uh, you know, uh, our private lands program kept evolving and kept evolving. And, uh, you know, we, we've just this last legislative session, mm-hmm. we went and got some additional dollars to do what we call uh, – I mean, more habitat focus, not necessarily always needing access Mm -hmm. in key places where we need the habitat, being able to be the one the department is, you know, should be the leader um, and and at least have some seed money to put that habitat Mm -hmm. in play and having, getting it matched by other uh, partners and grants, things like that, but to be able to really capitalize on that. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, that's a... That's a, a something that we're trying to do as an agency. That that's that's great. Um, I think a lot of our partners are working closer together than they ever have. I mean, we talk about. Um, I guess we haven't touched on the Metal Arc Initiative, but that's really came out of our 2015 rewrite of our state wildlife action plan and talking about these habitats and how we really have to f- uh, focus on the habitats rather than the species and trying to boost biodiversity and. Uh, be more uh, regenerative, and, and uh, that really came into uh, the idea of, of really a collaborative native grass conservation effort. We have ag and, again, commerce and industry working together um, to try to stand up and support our, our, our grazers out there, mm-hmm. keep them res- um, prosperous. Um, trying to keep grass out there in the landscape. Um, so that's, I, 
if we're going to do it, we're going to have to do it together. I mean, I, more than ever, um, I, you know, I've, I've mm-hmm. seen this in my late career is the conflict just it gets us nowhere. I mean, mm-hmm. we're all North Dakotans. We got to work together yeah. and we, we get to decide what we want here as a state, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, uh, you know, it, we, we're an agricultural state, we're an energy state, but we're also a, a natural resource state. You know, a lot of folks come here from other places saying, holy cow, you, <laughs> you guys mm-hmm. even realize what you got here? Yeah. Um, so we can't take that for granted. We got to take care of uh, all, all those, all those mm-hmm. things together, but we can do it. So, so obviously, collaborative conservation or collaborative working together, finding solutions for rather than just the conflict, um, that's, that's big but yeah, the habitat thing, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Habitat, uh, habitat, habitat, habitat. Habitat, habitat, yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Improve, create, or manage. <laughs> you want to make an acronym out of that? I'm thinking about it. <laughs> I see. Yeah, it. yeah, it's got to be. We got to make one after a link, maybe. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> we'll wait till you retire. Okay. And we'll throw that out there. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for being on, Link. And uh, we'll get into the department droppings. Yeah, so our spring turkey application period is open right now, and the deadline will be February 14th. So if you're interested in a chance to hunt spring gobblers, you better get your app in. And then, uh, again, it's hunter ed season, so just make sure that if you're looking to get hunter education to hunt this fall um, or you did your apprentice license last year and need to get that, this this is kind of the time where there's a lot of classes going on and just encourage you to subscribe to those alerts um, so you can get signed up quickly. Yeah, and if we're in the dead of winter here, um, although winter doesn't seem as bad as it was last year, but um, wildlife are still stressed, cold temperatures, temperature swings, that kind of stuff. And our wildlife management areas are, you know, they're built built for wildlife, so just be cognizant of, when you're out on a wildlife management area, you know, and you, you see deer running, you're chasing them off, whatever that might be, you're putting extra stress and they're using energy to do that. So just be mindful when you're shed hunting or things like that to kind of avoid those areas. Um, give them the best chance to make it through the winter. Yeah, and then um, just an opportunity for any youth, I believe it's ages 13 to 17, to um, there's going to be a North Dakota Waterfall Brigade camp uh, here in June in Washburn. So it's for a week in, in June. Um, but so there's kind of a chance for those kids to learn everything, really dive deep into waterfall ecology and management, um, even I think get some practice and education on on shooting and calling and a little bit of duck hunting but really um kind of primarily just like waterfall biology a lot a couple of staff here will be helping at that staff from ducks unlimited fish and wildlife service um so kind of a cool opportunity if um anyone out there is interested or their kids are interested and there is you do need to apply to the camp so the application deadline is march 15th now that we've dropped the droppings you can get off the pot and get outdoors (laughs) 